Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Kings cast with Eric and Ryan. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of, I thought it was a really good episode last week. Ryan and I came on for episode 127. Um, good conversation just about Jaron Fox and his ascension early in the season. Uh, people knocking Sabonis and just talking about those veteran players who have been kind of a letdown to start off the season. Great episode. If you're looking for that episode or any of our other episodes, you can always find those streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. Bringing in my co-host today for episode 128, Ryan was good. Damn, 128, huh? Yeah, I made the emphasis right there. Yeah, I caught that. Uh, yeah, what's going on, guys? So we are recording. Uh, it is Monday, November 14th. Currently, the Washington former Redskins are playing the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football. So uh, got that stream in here to the side. Uh, right before we came on, I just found out that I lost a teaser. It was uh, I had Milwaukee plus four was the final leg of the teaser tonight to you know make me sixty bucks and well you know Milwaukee got blown out by fifteen so uh, I'll just start off my week shitty uh, but you know what it's episode one twenty eight the Kings are fucking six and six after the zero and four start it's a good fucking time to come on here and have a great time so uh, as usual Eric I'm happy to be here let's let's kick the show off man love it I'm gonna I'm gonna kick the show off right away Ryan. With the with the with the bet online ad, so that people know, and people get it. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you this, Ryan. Really disappointed in the the uh, voters of California for shooting down um, what was on the ballot, but we got things for you. Uh, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, players news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the blo- promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts ryan yeah it is six and six man it's been a good it's been a good stretch and um you know a lot to talk about a lot of fun things i i i'm just excited the way the season's taking off and where it's going you know i i thought it would be a little bit more of a, a battle to get to this point to see some of the things come to fruition but i feel like it's kind of showing early we can get more into it I'm going to hit you with the player, though, before we get into before I get too long in the Kings talk. OK, so if you're new to the show or just checking us out, we always do this to break in the show where I give Ryan a random NBA player from our past and he has to guess it based on their basically Wikipedia page, their bio. Um, let me pull it up, Ryan, because I had this player up on a different thing. So uh, let me see real quick. I think this one's going to be good. I think you'll get it. Because I have faith in you. You're pretty much like a 90% shooter. You're basically Deer and Fox's free throws. Uh, in, clutch, that, in clutch time. Deer and Fox's clutch free throws when it comes to this. Okay. Uh, this player, Ryan, he's uh, 49 years old now. It gives you some context. He was drafted in 1995 in the first round, 18th overall out of Wyoming. It probably does he know good there. Uh, selected by Detroit Pistons. He's a center slash power forward. You're going to remember him as like a center. Uh, 95 to 97, he was on the Pistons. Okay, 97 to 01, 76ers. 
01 to 04, Atlanta Hawks, 04 to 06, Trailblazers, 06 to 07, the Celtics, 07 to 08, Timberwolves, 08 Pistons, 08 to 09, Sixers again, 09 to 10, Spurs, 2010, Bobcats finished off with the Lakers. He was a 2001 All-Star, though, for the 76ers, and he was a three-time uh, NBA blocks leader and a two-time all-defensive second team. As an owner, Ryan, I did. I saw this as I come across it. Two-time WBA champion. <laughs> I just want to throw it in there because it's on there. Career seven points, five rebounds, and two point four blocks. Who is it? He played for a long time. He and he played for a lot of teams. Like I read through that, and it was just kind of a that was a long list. Here, you're gonna remember him most probably 01 Sixers, and then is it uh is it Derek Coleman? No. No, Derek Coleman got drafted really high. That was a dumb guess. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. Should I make you? Should I make you die on the hill? Or should I give you one more? I'm feeling generous, Ryan, because you've been so good. I'm. You have a lot of good faith built into the show. I'm gonna let you get one more guess. I'm really blanking on this, but I don't know. Samuel Dallenberg. I don't know. That's wrong. It's no, Eldon Campbell. Eldon Campbell. No. Maybe. Okay. No, all I don't right. Know, just dude. stop the bleeding. Uh, you're gonna kill yourself when I tell you I this. Theo Ratliff. Yeah, Theo. Yeah, fucking idiot. Theo Ratliff was an all-star in 01, man. I couldn't believe that. That was a good one. One win for me. The, yeah. Theo Ratliff was an all-star in 01. Yeah. It says right here, according the to year, his uh, the year, the year Philad for Philadelphia. Yeah, it says right here on his page. Maybe he was. The year, the year that they went to the championship. 01. Three times he blocks leader. He wasn't on that fucking team, was he? Oh, sorry. He was in Atlanta Hawks. My bad. I'm reading. Yeah, that's what wow. There's a lot of teams. Anyway, I'll move off that. Here's why I picked Theo Ratliff, though, because I've always been about the shot blockers. I always say my favorite, my favorite player of was always Ben Wallace. And so uh, I always had respect for the shot blocker slash rebounder guys in the early 2000s that had no offense. That was always my uh, kind of my, my thing, you know. Um, all right, break into the Kings talk, Ryan. Haven't been to a game. Uh, I haven't been to a game in a while. Okay. Uh, I think. Did, have I been only one? I've only been to one game, but I'm going this Thursday to the Spurs. Uh, have you been to any games recently? I went to okay, so I've been to Portland, I've been to Memphis. Who did I go to? Crap, who did I go to last week? I can't remember, but yes, I've been to some games, a lot of fun energy. Um, the Ying Yang twins played at halftime. <laughs> That was pretty funny, dude. I was like walking the concourse and I'm like, wait, what? But, uh, you know, they just haven't really played at home a lot. I know they played yesterday, okay, but it's a Sunday at three. What they played? Nah, six. The game was yesterday at six. Plus, I've seen the Warriors play a bunch of times. That's the moneymaker for season ticket holders. You know what I mean? So uh, I made a nice little chunk of change off those tickets. So I sold them. But I am going uh, Sunday, November 20th against the Detroit Pistons. I got four tickets. Um, so you're probably gonna be included in that, Eric. Just so you know. Uh, yeah, I got the ticket, so I will be there. You are going Thursday against the Suns, Spurs. and tomorrow against the or sorry Spurs, and then I sold the Nets tickets for tomorrow. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, there hasn't been any uh a lot of home games. I was kind of concerned, so we we were kind of staring down the barrel uh of of one of one uh. Like, sorry, we were kind of staring down the barrel one week ago. That's what I was trying to say. And at that time, the Kings had a couple tough L's. Uh, one particular, I, get, I think, the, the Miami Heat at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I it, it was it was it's it's the early part of the season. I, I anticipated being like really difficult. I think I said I, I only expected like two or three wins out of the first 10 games. Like initially, that's really what I thought. I was being honest. And I thought like I kind of broke in to start the show in. I was like. I thought it would be a little bit of some time before you kind of could see some progression, but I got to give it to the Kings in that they, they seem to kind of have a consistent thing that they're doing and putting, putting it together like a lot earlier than I thought. It's showing uh, when you get the Warriors, what three times in the first, like few weeks of the season, that's, that's a tough pool. Plus some of the other games, they've had a, they've had a lot of tough games. They haven't had those, you you made that on a, a, uh, the podcast a while ago. You made that point. Like there was there's none of there's not that many of those easy Eastern Conference home games going down. You know, so uh, 
they they had a tough schedule. So are you surprised six and six at what they're at and the fact that they they seem to have some shit like identified this early in the season? I'm not surprised at all. Six and six. Um, you, you know, honestly, I'm surprised they're not a little better. To be honest with you, they. Uh, you know, let's be real. The Warriors have been atrocious this year. Okay, the Warriors have been bad. Um, you know, they they played them what three times already. Is that right? Have they played them three times? I think I, so. Yeah, I think, I think so. They played said, but... three. Yeah, so like they played three times already. Honestly, they should have had two of those wins. You know, there was the home game against Portland that to open the night that day was very winnable game. Um, you know, we predicted this team to have a winning record. So, um, you know, I want to say forty-two wins. I think we said something like that. You know, when you're saying forty-two wins, you know. Um, Six and six would not shock me at all, right? So that's pretty on par with how we see the season going. I do think it's going to be uh, there. There'll be some ups and downs, right? There's going to be some games where, you know, uh, uh, Sabonis will be out and Fox will miss some games like he already has. And, you know, they'll go through a, a little bit of a rough patch, but it's, you know, the key for key for the Kings. And this is something they haven't been able to have done over the last 20 years is have those. Oh, and four, like oh, and four over a four game stretch, right? Or going one and six. That's going to be the key is to not have those. I know they started the season off oh, and four. Can't have another one of those, right? You can't, you can't drop four games in a row in the NBA um, and, and be pretty successful. So the key moving forward for them, you know, limit those, those losing streaks, you know, at worst lose two in a row, but you start dipping to three, four, five games in a row. And uh, that's just not playoff basketball. So, to be honest, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, and then looking looking ahead with their schedule over the next few weeks, man, they should move right up, uh, um, you know, up the ladder of as far as the standings. I want to bring in a little bit of NBA talk because I just think that the standings this year are a little baffling compared to what people predicted. Uh, but that is true. It's a take we've had for a lot of years, and we point out to people every season is that. Sometimes, like, it's because it's such a long season, half the battle is about just uh, not going on these huge, like you said, losing streaks, like a seven-game, eight-game losing streak. Like, that. those are the... There's, there are times where, like, the last couple years, honestly, the last two years, the Kings legitimately had stretches where it was that. They had, like, multiple seven, eight-game losing streaks. And it, it's always a, it's always a bummer when you get towards the end of the year and you're kind of like competing fringe for playing playing spots and for you know even a couple of years ago they were playing a fringe for the for the uh for the 8th seed and you kind of take a look and you see those streaks on the resume from the season that, those are tough ones to swallow and then just to be able to this is something i think as a kings fan that's been tough man is that i feel like over the years like you, you know we bet we bet a lot so we know that any night in the NBA, random teams will beat another team. But it felt like the Kings were just never that team to do that. They never would just win against teams. Like they, there's some massive ownage out there uh, from teams on them, particularly like the Warriors. We're just like owned them for years. Like they just didn't even get one win. And that's what's got to take. And so when, when I'm looking so far this season, I mean, who knows if these. Because things have changed so much, if these if these are gonna be, if the Warriors are gonna be players, but I don't really legitimately know. But I'm gonna go with it. When you beat the Warriors, when you beat the Cavs, uh, when you beat the Heat, uh, when you beat the uh, who else is on there? I guess those are some to point out early. But like even tomorrow, you beat Miami. The Nets. Yeah, I, I mentioned that one. But it, you know, like tomorrow, you 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 know, you play the Nets. You beat the Nets, and I'm I'm staring down. It's like Spurs, Pistons. They got you know the Grizzlies, the Hawks, the Celtics. It's like I feel like this year this team has the potential to just any night show up and get it done. And sometimes that's kind of the difference between that that tier that they're in and getting to that next tier that they want to get in is just to be able to win those games and not just count them like going down the schedule and count counting them as automatic L's. And so I don't know. I guess like. It's 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 uh, one of those things. We have a reason to be somewhat optimistic, so I'm gonna take advantage of it because it hasn't really happened to us in some time. You know, there is, I I do think that honestly, and we've always called it objectively. So people who listen to us, I think, give us that credit. Like, if, I I think that the Kings right now, I think this is kind of. I'm hoping this is kind of what it's going to be. 
Like, I feel like there's still some spots on the roster, which I want to get into where they need to figure out who's where the roles are going to be and maybe how to hide some of the deficiencies and stuff. But like, if this is, you know, at the start of the season, new coach, got a new roles for some players. If this is kind of the low, that's some good signs. All right. The NBA standings, though, Western Conference particularly, Ryan, uh, I want to kind of play a game with you. Trailblazers, are they real or not? You think they're real? Nine and four, number one in the West right right now. Um, you have to get too much analysis. I, well, defi- but I just define. All right, well, well, give me. Are they like a number one seed? Real? Is that what no, you're asking? Or are they no? Do you a think they're like a top? Team? No, you think that? Well, here here's why. Okay, the Trailblazers particularly. We kind of thought the Kings were going to be ahead of them. That's why. Do you think they'd be a, like? What do you think? Um, I think the Kings will catch them. I think I'll, you you're going to name the team, and I'll give you the seed that I think that they would fall on. All right. Does that work? That gives a little better of a depiction okay. of it. But I would say Portland five to seven range. Okay. And then Nuggets. I think the Nuggets are real because they've been real. Yep. Yeah. Top three. Uh, yep. This one, the, probably the most surprising team in the NBA right now, the Jazz, 10 and five, three. They've kind of slipped a little bit, but you think they're fakers? Yeah. Pretenders. Grizzlies, nine and five. Got to give them the credit because they were the last year, I feel like. Too, right? Yep. Yep. I think right, they're right where they are. Yep. Suns are eight and five. I don't know if that if the standings updated. I know they lost tonight. They're kind of. Not, I don't think they're a number one two seed like they were the last couple of years. We kind of predict. We kind of. We felt that going into the year, right? Yeah, I think you know with the Jay Crowder situation with Cam Johnson being out and you know Chris Paul being freaking forty, um, you know I I think the one and two seed days are over. I think they're more uh, five to seven range as well with Portland. Yeah, Mavericks seven and five. I think the Mavericks will be there, but I think the Mavericks will be there. Yeah, I think the Mavericks will be there. I think Luke is just too much. Clippers are eight and six. They're the seven. Uh, yeah, they're a little better. I, I think Kawhi and Paul George will eventually start playing, and John Wall will start playing every night, and they'll be there. Yeah, Pelicans are eight, seven, six. Kings are six and six. Now, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a couple teams like right now. Who do you think if you have the standings in front of you? You know, we kind of break off into tiers. Who do you think is like this? Because right, every year is different in the standings. So some years it's clear cut, like one, two, threes top, and then there's a middle tier and there's a bottom tier. Like the, sometimes the the chunk of teams can be the top four. Sometimes it could be everyone's even between like five and ten. Like it just depends on the year, if that makes sense. So I think that this year the way it's shaping up to be, especially when you have the Warriors sitting at five and eight at the thirteenth seed. You have the Timberwolves at the 11th seed at six and eight. You have the Pelicans at the eighth seed at seven and six. I think that I don't. Th- I, th- I don't think the Thunder will be there. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Warriors. I think that we were way wrong again on the Lakers. You know, I, I we were being optimistic and maybe thought injuries. And last year, I thought they were. I thought the Lakers were going to be up there, but there's nothing to show me now that that that's going to be the case. So if I'm really tearing up the Kings as far as where I believe they fall into, man. You, I think I'm gonna. This is what I'm going with, and you tell me you're going. I'm going with the the Blazers, okay? The I'll give the Jazz because they're there. I think the Kings are better than the Jazz. I do even now. Um, I think that the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. That's kind of that's kind of my tier right there. I think I think a lot of teams in there. Like I think the Spurs are fakers. I think that. The Jazz are, I don't know, man. The Grizzlies are up there. Yours is better. Suns are up there. They're better. The Clippers are crazy. They're better. It's the the second I look at this and you bring up all the standings, you, who's the clear cut best team in the Western Conference right now, dude? I just, I can't, yeah, I can't, I can't see Portland, you know, maybe Denver. Um, but I think Sacramento, you know, a team like Memphis, I think Sac matches up pretty well with. I think Phoenix is, you know, trending downwards. I don't know, man. I think, you know, like if I was, you know, playoffs started today, I think Dallas would be a really hard out. I think Denver's a really hard out because of Jokic. And then the Clippers, man, I just, I'm I'm on the boat that I think the Clippers are going to get healthy, dude. And I think they're going to be really, really freaking good. But there's just a lot of average hurt teams right now, man. Nobody really stands out. And I refuse to believe that Portland is the number one, is the number one team in the Western Conference, man. Well, that's kind of really what I'm getting at. That. When you have a team like the Jazz and the Trailblazers that are top three in the West, and I, I legitimately think the Kings have a better team in, than those two. Maybe I'm wrong about the Blazers. I, I, Blazers, I saw them in person this year, as did you. I think that there was maybe some um, 
less of consideration and underrating going on when it came to the kind of athleticism they had in scoring from like the secondary players on there. They have a cut like three other guys in addition to Dame that are athletic and can score, but it, I think they lack a lot of things. That's kind of was the, my point of the conversation was that usually there's, there is a clear cut, like top three or four. And then there's like this middle tier that, you know, like the bottom seven to nine or 10, they're not going to, they're not going to infiltrate the middle tier typically. And then you kind of have that third tier, which is, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, kind of deal. But this year, when you have the one and three as it stands, as teams, I think the Kings are probably better than. And we're already we're already, you know, 15 games in the season. Another 20 games of this sample size, if it starts to look around this this whole deal, it's gonna be the most interesting like West the West has been in, in a long time to have some pure balance. There's probably not going to be a 60 win team this year. There's probably not even going to be a 50 like six win team. I don't know, man. What do you think? It's it's kind of going to be that low 50s. And and which means to tell me that it might be one of those years where honestly the 8th seed might be a high 30s, a 38, 39, 40 type of team and you know, I, I don't know. It's just it's very interesting and with that it's kind of shaping up in the Kings favor. And uh which I think could bring us into our next conversation that is probably going to be the theme of the season, which is Darren Fox, the next level Fox shit, you know, and it seems like his ability to go get a bucket, the criticism people had of him, two of them were really the three point shooting and the free throws to this point. Let's see if it's sustainable, but to this point he's shown to improve it, but the guy, he goes and gets a bucket into the game. I mean, countless games, the Orlando game was one that stuck out to me. Um, there's been a ton. I mean, honestly, pretty much every game he goes in the fourth quarter, he gets the bucket, you know, and, and when you have a guy like that, not a lot of teams have a guy like that, dude. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, Darren Fox is, he's done. He's pretty much done what he's done over the last two years though. Right. Like, I, you know, there was the, there was a four months last year to start the season where he was playing out of position um, but then the second half of the season, this is exactly what he did. This is exactly what he did two seasons ago when he was averaging almost 26 points per game. Um, you're right though. The three point shooting has improved a little bit, but it's mainly the free throws. We've always said that if he can consistently knock down free throws, man, he's going to be a real problem. Um, but you talk about scoring it's on par with the last two, two seasons, except for the beginning of last year. Right? So the full season in 2021, or 2020, 2021. Um, and then so far to start this season. So, and then pretty much to end last season, but I'm not surprised, man. It's me and you've been preaching about this for a long time. Um, you know, to start the season last year, there were some high hopes, I think a little unfairly um, of the fan base. And then for him to get off to the slow start, he was averaging 18 points per game pretty much until like January, not his fault though. You know, again, the guy played out of position and we were harping on it all season long. Um, and the second that Hal Burton goes away, Darren Fox explodes again. So, uh, you, you know, the one good thing is Sacramento starting to get a little bit of recognition on the national stage. Okay, it hasn't happened in a while. Darren Fox is starting to get that recognition. People are starting to to realize how talented he really is. So, um, you know, I'm not surprised at all. It's actually it's refreshing that he's starting to get this this national media attention. Typically, you and I are always the wait and see, be cautious, not in this sample size. But I think that we've seen the ascension happen over a several year period. And and then once, like you said, he got moved to off ball and we were pissed off last year and you saw the decrease and then you see him get back in the role and just go right back on the tracks. It's like, that's why I feel confident enough to kind of be so definitive at this point. Uh, whereas other times we wouldn't do that. And that's why I think that people who listen to us would, like I said, hope that we've gained enough credibility over the years and being completely objective and unbiased and honestly, like not emotional that, that this, it, this should carry a little bit more weight of us saying this than when other people say stuff like this, because we are always the wait and see, but there's a thing we always say, right? Like in sports, like you got to look at people's 
trends and what they are. And they always they, they kind of are what they are and you got to believe what they are and and uh they always kind of regress or pro- progress if that's even the right phrase to to what they really are. And De'Aaron Fox has shown in a three years two and a two and a quarter year span now really that what he is is he's a 25 point a game plus player who is extremely athletic but I think that every couple of years and and especially at the age he's at that players there's another level to his game and I was listening to the broadcast the other night and they were talking about how he could be a a real elite they said it not my words top 5 two-way player you know and that's something when you you mentioned about when they played John Morant and the Memphis Grizzlies early season, you can see how he's, you could just see the difference on that. And so I've paid attention ever since that's been like a topic of what's happening. I mean, he blocked a shot last night. He He's, he's got the size and the speed to be an elite on ball defender. And like I said, the criticisms that people have him, he's going to have to sustain it over a full 82 to really then for it to become like solidified, but the free throw shooting and really the three point shooting, it's kind of hard to see it regressing. What what's gonna make what's gonna make the point he's at right now this early in the season, at his age, what's wh- why would he regress? You know what I mean. So it's only reason to be more optimistic. He's not gonna regress. The I mean, again, the only thing that's gonna mess with him is injuries. That's it. You know, I'm, I have his stats up right now. The last three seasons up until now, so 2021, 2020, or 2020, 2021, and now. Here's the the totals, 25.2, and then last year, 23.2, this year, 25.5. His by, by one full rebound, but other than that, everything's been really freaking consistent, right? Uh, his stats are not going to dip. If anything, he'll bump up the scoring just a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I just... I, I'm happy to see it, man. It's just, it's just really refreshing when you come on and you're like, see, it's exactly what we thought. You know, you look back at eight months ago when they, or nine months ago when they decided to move Halliburton, this is what me and you were talking about. Just let Fox go. Let him be the best player on the court. Uh, let him make that next jump and, and see where it goes. So I'm actually trying to figure out right now, what is his three-point shooting percentage so far this year? That's something that 37%. Okay, that's, what was it, two years ago? His stats are really identical, man. They really are. But you know what they're, it is, though. It's it's just I think that it just comes down to sometimes even the eye test, the eye test kind of deal too. Like because even though it's pretty similar, I it looks different. Anybody who watches the games like fanatically, like we do, would admit that. Like it just looks different. Um, you know what 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 is it if if the stats are the same? What what's different then, right? He has an all-star level player playing with him, an all-star all-star level big man playing with him. That's the if you're you know if you want to talk about efficiency and you know maybe he's just got a big man in the middle that commands a little attention and he's getting a little more open shots. Maybe the pick and roll game is really working for him. You know maybe he has some NBA players around him. There's shooters around him. You know you got Keegan Murray who hits the three. Barnes is starting to pick it up. You have Malik Monk who's super athletic can shoot the three, and then you have Kevin Herter who's leading the NBA in three point percentage right now. You know, so all of that combined is what is making Fox more efficient. And you're not seeing it in the stat book as much. It's not like his numbers have jumped uh, a remarkable amount because they haven't statistically. But he's been more efficient. Maybe that's why. Maybe there's just better plays around him. Uh, better players around him and you know people can't really key on him anymore that's why we were such a big fans of Sabonis and Sabonis being there the NBA history is littered uh, of teams with success who have a all-star big man and all-star guard that that combination has has shown to be a winning combination Um, so that's why I was I was I believed in that and in, in that so much because once you have that like, the other guys, you know you you can have guys in there that have more specific roles and especially when you have a dominant inside player offensively like Sabonis and a guy who rebounds and honestly passes like that and can run the court like that. It's like our conversation last week is like people can talk about the negatives of Sabonis all you want, but then at the same time you got to be you got to list all the positives. 
And then you got to look around and say, how many how many teams honestly get this type of production in the inside? And I don't think it's like, I think I brought it up before. It's not even hyperbolic to say like, um, statistically, his output is like, are, are, how many more big men out there, like true centers out there are putting out like offensive and rebounding production? It's not a lot. It really isn't. Most, guys, most teams get production from forwards, guards, but like, Okay, obviously you have Jokic, but like who who else is out there that you're kind of getting that similar production for, you know, Embiid? Okay, so let's take off the top guys. But, you know, so I guess it just shows like that's something a little different that the Kings have than some of the, the other teams. And when, you, when you have a guy who goes out there with 22 rebounds and stuff, like that's kind of that's kind of valuable, right? Yeah, you look at it. I mean, there's you have your elites of the elites, right? So like guys that you just named, those are your elite uh, big men in the league. But then you have the guys who are all stars, right? And that's where Sabonis is at. And I don't think there's as many guys as, as at Sabonis's level. Um, kind of, you're not, you know, not a superstar, but you're an all star, you know, and and you're 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 getting closer. You're young enough to where you're getting closer to where. Um, you could possibly be at that level, right? Like you, you made a good point. How many guys are scoring and rebounding like Sabonis outside of those big, big guys out of the Jokic's and, and Embiid? Nobody, you know, there, there's not another center in the NBA. I mean, you have guys like Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas who are, who are just big maulers, um, you know, great rebounders, defensive guys in the middle, but they're not scoring like that, you know? So, um, you know, his offensive output, I really think, and I, I think it's obvious when you look at their record, his offensive output definitely outweighs his defensive deficiencies. Definitely. You know, look at look at the games where he doesn't foul out and he scores well, they're winning. You know, it's not a coincidence that, you know, when Sabonis plays well, they win. So it's true. Yeah, when he has these 20 point multiple, you know, high double digit rebound games, it, it translates. Um Something like we're not X's and O's film breakdown guys, but uh, it just seems that the uh, the Kings are kind of figuring out. That's what I meant about early in the episode. They're kind of figuring out early in the season guys' role and figuring out a rotation. You can see the rotation tightening up. You can see the the minutes allocation getting more defined, and you can kind of see guys taking more confidence in their, uh, particularly the offensive game, right? So a couple guys that come to mind, I think Herter kind of came in the season with that. He came in pretty confident. Night one was 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 nice. But there's two guys that uh, is Trey Lyles and Malik Monk. Trey Lyles is, he was a guy early in the season. We were kind of like, yeah, he's going to be in there by default because he's like the only other guy who, who who could play. But he's he seems to have the confidence to shoot threes. And I remember I posted in the Kingsland thread, like, I like Lyles, and people were kind of making fun of me. And I'm like, I'm not hyping the guy, but, like, he plays. He does play, so he's in there. Um, but the most interesting thing, not to have a too big a conversation around it this week, Ryan, but Rashawn Holmes is not playing. He is not fucking playing at all. And honestly, Metu has been has seemed to uh, be the guy who's kind of coming in later in games and kind of filling in the, the backup, backup big man type of situation. Uh, and not Holmes. And I think this is what it is. I think this is what it is. I don't see it changing. Like, do you, And do you see the rotation? Like at some point, like early in the season, this happens every year where different guys start, they try things out and eventually it kind of gets more defined and more defined. Now, the problem with the Kings, the last bunch of years has been that shit changes every month. A couple years ago, they signed Buddy Hill to a massive extension, and then they decided he was going to be a sixth man midway through the year and start, you know, Bogdanovich. And then, there, you know, Dwayne Deadman, they signed him. They don't even play him. So there's like a lot, always a weird shit to go down with the Kings. But this year, I think it's different. I think that those shenanigans and, and, uh, you know, Bush League, you know, Stockton Kings types type of moves isn't going down. And I don't see it changing. I just see it tightening up more, which is does not trend well. For 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 Sean Holmes, and I guess some of these players playing a lot more minutes, and honestly, Malik Monk making impact, and some of these other guys making an impact. Man, they're they're part of the rotation now. 
Yeah, uh, the Rashawn Holmes thing, that's not freaking changing unless somebody gets hurt, right? Like Metu's going to have to get, Sabonis going to have to get hurt for an expended, extended period of time to allow him to play. Um, that's not going to change. And, uh, you know, you, you've said in years past that they've, you know, just kind of stuck with these Stockton Kings types guys. I was worried, man, when they started Casey Paula to start the season, man, I was like, fuck, dude, like really this way, the way the direction, that shit got canned fast, dude. That shit has got canned so fast um, to the point where it's even got a step further. And I, I never thought I'd see Rashawn Holmes on the Kings playing zero minutes um, just because it seems like they love him so much. Uh, but, you know, they're winning and he's not playing, you know, so you got to roll with that. Things aren't going to change as long as you're winning. Nothing's changing. This this if everybody stays healthy, the Kings continue to win the roster, the the rotations. It's not going to change at all, man. They um, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But I am surprised that Rashawn Holmes is getting a lot of donuts, man. He it's, it's happening. There's a lot of zeros coming from that guy. And, um, you know, we've kept receipts on, on people that we've gotten arguments over the years. It's, we talk about it all the time. Fucking told you so, man, you fucking told you so. Um, a bright spot is Metu. You know, you brought him up a little bit. Uh, Metu seems like he's kind of matured as a player, Last year, a lot of three-point shooting from that guy. Um, not as much this year, man. And that's just, you know, that's, I don't, obviously I'm not in the locker room, not at practice. So, uh, you know, I can sit here and say it's coaching. I can sit here and say it's maturity on his part or him just becoming a more self-aware player. Um, it's probably something a little bit of both. I, I don't have the the insight on that. But, uh, you know, he's a 25-year-old super athletic guy. <laughs> you know, like there's no reason why that guy shouldn't get minutes for the Kings and um, he's improving. And then I really think with the emergence of Trey Lyles being a legitimate offensive threat, um, especially from the three-point lineman, I think that's really what's pushed uh, Rashawn Holmes out. I, I just don't really, you know, when the guy's in there, there's no spacing. He's not a he's not a, a lockdown defender, rim protector, like everybody tried to say he was. Uh, his offensive game is almost ze- nothing, uh, you know, and, and he's not a, a big-time rebounder like that. So, um you know, we always come on here and we talk about guys who they bring almost an elite quality to the team, right? Uh, we talked about it with with Malik Monk, who's kind of that elite score. He can score in bunches. Kevin Herter's elite three-point shooter. Sabonis is an elite uh, inside score rebounder. Uh, Trey Lyles is starting to emerge to be a pretty damn good stretch four off the bench. That guy's bringing some really good shooting for his position Rashawn Holmes isn't really bringing that elite quality, man. So um, that's something that I harp on a lot. But as long as the team's winning, that roster and that rotation ain't changing. I wouldn't. I, I gotta protect you. I, I, I or all these call you. I wouldn't call it elite, elite quality. I get what you're saying, but like Malik Monk is not an elite scorer. Uh, but I get what you're saying more in that. Maybe would you rather say like they bring a a, a quality. Like a specialty, if you will. Well, that's like what I'm. That's what I mean. Yeah, their quality. Not. Yes, well, you said yeah. elite. So I, I want you yeah, to clear so it up. Special, it, specialty quality. Yeah. Sorry, we talk about that all the time about how everybody specializes in something, and owning and owning that quality. Sorry, I should have said specialty. Uh, but yeah, you know, herders brought his specialty. Everybody has that role, and they're thriving in that role. You know, when you just don't really have that great quality or that specialized quality for you. Uh, it's hard to crack the rotation, man. You know, Rashawn Holmes is his specialized quality is hustle. People love him because, oh, you know what he does? He works hard. Sorry, that doesn't win games. You have to bring that special quality. Uh, you know, you have to contribute somehow. You know, so everybody finds their niche. Um, unfortunately, he's kind of fallen out of the rotation, and I don't see it changing. Someone posted in Kingsland today, like, what happened? It was something happened to him. And I'm like, and this, my reply was, no, I, I don't think anything happened to him. Um, I think that it's just the roster surpassed him. Like, the roster surpassed him, and he he doesn't fit what they wanted to do. And if he was even, like, you, like you're saying, if he, if he had, like, a certain skill set that they needed, if he was good... Honestly, they would find they would find somewhere to get him in at some point. But the fact that the minutes deteriorate have deteriorated to literally nothing from in the season he was the guy off the bench, then then it turned into Lyles. Now it's turned into Metsu. 
right? Um, it just shows like they they're not even trying. They don't even need to get him in. And 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 you know, Ryan, I, I, there's been a couple takes over the years where I just don't know if we'll ever get the credit for the for the takes. But the Rashawn Holmes one is one I'll always be really proud of because just because there was so much opposition towards him. And and all we kept saying was, yes, this guy is playing 29 minutes on a bad team. Let's see what he does with like 20. I was even time saying like 22 minutes on a good team, you know, but I, I will say this, Ryan, because we, we've always been the negative one of Rashawn Holmes. I'm actually disappointed. OK, I'm disappointed because I'm a Kings fan, as you are. And I'm disappointed that the Kings paid a guy like this in that he can't even get on the floor. I'm disappointed that that his his production in the starting lineup hasn't translated into the bench. I'm disappointed by that because I think had he done the same, had he been able to provide the same kind of energy, pick and roll, all the shit people like to say, that even though his defense was hyped, but okay, defense, if he's able to do that, off like off the bench, I was I would have been for it, and so I'm actually bummed. I'm actually bummed by it, and I don't like when Kings pay players and there's players in the roster who fail. I don't root for that. Although as much as a lot of other people out there root for certain players to not do well so that they're right, at the end of the day, uh, I was kind of you know I would hope I would like to be wrong because that means that they're better. But I just knew all along we weren't. You know, I just knew we weren't, but I am disappointed in that he can't even hit the floor. That that's bad. That sucks, man. Yeah, me and you were talking about today. You know, Sacramento seems to be trending up, and we both predict them to to at least be in the playing game this year. And we were talking about Rashawn Holmes. We're like, shit, how do you get off that contract, right? Because if you're Sacramento, you're at the point now where you, you're trending in the right direction. You can't pay to get rid of somebody. You know, so. Uh, me and you have been really high on Monty Big Balls McNair. This is the one move where it's like at the time me and you saw it and then you're seeing it come out, you know, play out now. And it's like, fuck, dude, we fucking knew it. And they paid him anyway. Um, thankfully, they didn't pay him the, you know, the 18 to 20 million like everybody was saying they were going to. And that was the market for him. Thankfully, he got 11 million, but still that's 11 million for a team that could really probably use that, right? Like when you're training in the right direction, um, you can't afford to have somebody making 11 million getting zero minutes a night. That is a huge issue. That is, that is a huge issue. So, um, you know, that could be something that comes back to bite them a year from now, you know, like say Sacramento plays really well this year and they get the five or six seed and they try to make that jump into a top three seed next year. Which is, you know, it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that could be something that holds them back, man. Not being able to pick up another free agent because of the Rashawn Holmes contract. So it, it it does suck, right? Because you know, when you do sign somebody, you expect them to to be in the lineup at least in the rotation, playing well. And that at the moment, that just looks really bad. It looks really bad that he, you know, in the first what is this first year of the contract. Mm, I think I, I think it's I, first. I, think I can't remember second. first year of the contract. Yeah, you know, and you have you're on the hook for pretty much. I, I want to say the last year was a was an option, a team option, but you're on the hook for two more years. You know, and it's going to be hard to move that thing, man. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, never to be negative. I got dude. I got shitted on on Kingsland this week, Ryan. I didn't talk to you about this, so I think people really misunderstood me. Um, the Kings. I I I hate. We've talked about it on the show. I fucking hate the Sacramento Kings social media team. I hate them. And also, uh, I I get a, I get a lot of emails from the tickets people just for whatever reason. So I get a lot of ticket promotion stuff, and they they call me and whatever. And they had made a post this week when they beat the Cavs, and it was it was uh, Donovan Mitchell, and he was a quote about how like exciting the Kings are. And so the Sacramento Kings took that quote. And we're trying to like promote it to hype the team. Like, look at what an opposing all-star player said about us. Now, here's the deal. For me, I think that shit's whack. I've hated on it for years. I remember years ago, a great example was how Greg Popovich like quoted, quoted the, the uh, got quoted after a game about how exciting the Kings were and how they're going to be great one day. And then they tried to sell tickets because of it. Okay. And so 
I think it's whack. I think it's kind of cornball stuff. I think it's like it's kind of a second tier inferiority complex type of stuff. So I, I make the post on Kingsland. I'm like, this is absolute bullshit trying to hype, you know, hype an opposing player's compliment to like sell tickets. Well, dude, I've never been shitted on a Kingsland like this ever. And people were people. There was a whole thread of like, you're an idiot. I can't believe you're mad about a quote and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I was like going about my day and I logged back in. I go, whoa, dude, I just got crushed. And, I, and I'm like, I think people misunderstood. They they thought that I was upset that a, a opposing player uh, complimented the Kings. And I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. I just think it's some cornball stuff when the team's trying to promote to sell tickets on another team. Did you see that thread? Do you agree with me or like what? Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I wouldn't have fucking posted it because who cares, but I understand what you're saying. It is corny. Okay. That, but that's, you have to look at it. And for all you people who, who were coming at him, I did see it and I read some stuff. You guys have to realize, okay, this is how poverty franchises act. Okay, if you don't want to be a poverty franchise and you want to get taken seriously and you want to be looked at legit, stop doing stupid shit like this. Who cares what Donovan Mitchell said after a loss? Who cares? They looked hungry. You could see where they want to go. You could say that about every team in the damn NBA, dude. Okay, you know, like when the Thunder come out and, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander drops 40 and they randomly win a game and Josh Giddy has those random triple-double night. It's like, oh yeah, they're hungry. They're young. You can see. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it. It's fucking poverty franchise stuff, dude. Okay, just you know, whatever, dude. It's a social media. It, it's you know, there's social media people. You know, if 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 you're really in the locker room and if you're you know on the Kings roster and you're really taking that to heart, that you're like a 24 or five year old Donovan Mitchell's giving you credit after a loss, like, and you're really taking that to heart, man. Like, ugh. You know, uh, like I, I hope he, the Kings have a little more confidence in that. He believes in us. No, and, and, and I think that part of it is like that's the difficult thing. So I learned my I, one. I learned my lesson because people, and maybe because uh, I have the avatar for, uh, on as a, as my thing on social media. Like people, and we do the podcast. People are quick to I notice that people are quick to either uh, agree or hear what I have to say or they're quick to really come at you and challenge you, you know? So I learned my lesson. I, I wasn't really, I, I thought it was just, I, it was more like, and you know, cause we're, we're in group chats. So like, this is fucking stupid. Like it was more like that, but people took it as like, I, I was legitimately angry. And like, you're just an angry, angry. I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I finally replied to people. I was like, Hey, you could pile on or have a take, you know, but like, I don't know. Piling on is kind of whack. And I was like, we do a podcast. Like I put out a lot of content and I'm not negative. If you listen to us, Ryan, we're not, we're not negative. You know what I mean? We're, we're just honest. Like we come in here, we, we be honest. I'm not a bitter negative person who just wants to be upset. So I just thought to bring that up. Social media can be kind of wild sometimes for that. Um, looking ahead, Ryan, what's the, I think this is something I like to do. I like to look at the, the most exciting game I'm looking forward to out there for the Kings kind of coming up and um tomorrow's an exciting game tomorrow's an exciting game i think the one i'm, I'm actually looking forward to the i'm looking forward to the pistons one next week going to that one in person but i think the one to circle well it'll be the grizzlies we'll record before then but only three games before the next week yeah you gotta think Four you games, know thanks thanksgiving and stuff dude and, uh but i mean hey any time that you get to play kevin durant and you know, have Kevin Durant at home and possibly get a win. Uh, by the way, Sacramento is favored minus two um, at the moment. But that's that's a good game, man. Brooklyn, for all their faults and all their chaos, man, Ben Simmons is still on the team. You know, Kevin Durant is still on the team. They still have Seth Curry. They still got Joe Harris. You know, they got Royce O'Neal. Like, there's fucking dudes over there, right? Like, it's there is that team is good. They still have Kevin Durant, who's still, in my opinion, probably a top five player in the NBA. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Can Sacramento finally just, you know, slow somebody down, slow an elite guy down, right? Steph Curry's been killing us. They did enough the other night to slow him down just enough. Can they do the same with Kevin Durant? And I'm, I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Yeah, that's good. That's going to be a good one. So, uh, it's definitely good games and some more home games. Uh, I am looking ahead, though, man, just December. They have 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have eight games, and one of them's at home. <laughs> and, and that's that's to start off the first half of December. That's going to be the test, dude. And just looking at the schedule, we always say about Christmas time. About Christmas time, they're going to be playing a massive road trip uh, to, to really break in December. I think this little stretch they have, they need to kind of put themselves a little bit ahead in the, in the win column. And if they can kind of float around 500 thereafter by Christmas, be a game or two above or even right at it, I think that's good. So I I, I like I don't want to get too ahead of myself because it's a long season and, and we've always said that when it's bad. But I there's reasons to be excited and if anything to take away, Ryan. I just don't see things regressing too much. I really don't. I think that there's a lot of uh, more meat on the bone here whatever isms I can say, you know, there's more, there's more going, there's more here, more growth and all that. So we'll see where the thing takes us. most optimistic Kings cast ever. Maybe, I don't know. It was fun, but Hey guys, we appreciate you listening in. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kings cast, Eric and Kings cast, Ryan. Uh, we are active on there, including our group Kingsland. So join that and check it out. Um, and then if you want to support the show, please slide down on Apple Podcasts or slide up on Spotify and leave us a five-star review. It helps us reach more Kings fans just like you. And if you want to check out past episodes, you can check us out on the Believe Podcast Network, where we are, the Sacramento Kings signature show. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Thanks. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube